Hello, everybody, and welcome to Star Talk, a podcast presented by the Anniston Star. I'm Philip Tudor, a columnist here at the newspaper, and I will be joined today by Chief Shane Denham of the Anniston Police Department. It's great to have Chief Denham on the podcast this week because he recently announced that he is retiring soon from APD after 25 years of service. His time at APD has covered several pivotal events in the city's modern history, most notably the line-of-duty death of Officer Justin Solohub in 2011. I'm certainly grateful that the Chief was willing to discuss that emotional time for him and his department. Here's our interview. Thanks for coming on the podcast today, Chief Denham. It's, it's certainly great to have you on. Thanks. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, it's, it's not a secret anymore. You're retiring from the Anniston Police Department. Um, so let's start there. Kind of walk me through that decision. I'm assuming this is great news for you and your family. Yes, it is. Um, and this is, this is not a spur of the moment decision. Um, I've been planning this for, uh, many months, actually several years and kind of knew my target date. Um, and the closer it got, we, as a family, just kind of got together and, and firmed that up. Um, that this job is the top job that will just wear on you, and it's just constant stress. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it just never stops. Um, it's just not something that I, I don't understand how people could do it for 30, 40 years. Mm. It just maybe in different cities where it's a little slower paced, but man, it's it's pretty high paced around here, and it just wears you out. So. And it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about the fast pace of it because people who aren't as familiar with Anniston might kind of be surprised to hear that because the city's population is 21,000 or so and the county's population is a little over 100. You know, it, it's not Atlanta. It's not Birmingham. Right. But, but the fast pace aspect of it, why is it that way in Anniston? Well, I think there are probably aspects in every city that's like that, and it's probably dependent. You know, it's relative. I talk to different chiefs around the state. For example, Jason Odom that works at Ohatchee. Mm-hmm. He would probably tell you that Ohatchee is just as busy as Aniston, but it's relative based on, you know, he's working with a handful of people. I have almost 100, so the workload, you know, it's kind of, kind of the same, I would say. Now, Aniston, yes, we are a small, small town, but you know, we, we have some big city problems. Sure. And sure. those, those problems are constant and they just never stop. Um, especially, I can't even imagine working at a Birmingham or, or in Atlanta, the size cities that those are, I can't even fathom it. Um, for example, I can't go in. You know, everybody knows me here, mm-hmm. so I have to listen to everybody's police stories and, <laughs> and give advice, and uh, can't can't even go to church and get out without talking about police stuff for you know fifteen, twenty, thirty minutes. You know, every Sunday when we were going, of course we're not going now, um, and it's just constant phone calls and, and things and such. Talking to news media, mm-hmm. you know, that happens all the time. Right. Um, doesn't stop on the weekends. It's Saturdays. It's Sundays. Um, rarely is there ever just a day off or, or a break. Um, what? It, 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 let me stop you there for a second, Chief. It's you mentioned again the the, the fast pace of it in Aston. What in in the the big city problems that we have here? What do you tell a new recruit when you hire new officers? 
they obviously don't have the experience yet, but what do you tell them? What's, what's your instructions to them considering what they're getting into? Well, I, I tell them a lot. Um, everywhere from, you know, and, and your perspective changes over years. Okay. And, and I'll tell you, Philip, the first, my first several years when I worked here, mm-hmm. I could not believe that they paid me to do this. I would have almost done it for free. <laughs> it is, I had a blast. It was fun. Um, there's a, a camaraderie and a right. closeness with all the guys that are here. Sure. And you form some really, really strong bonds. Right. That, you know, some people will understand if you've ever been in the military or, right. or things like that. You know, they say, you know, in a foxhole, you form really, really tight bonds. And I, I love it. It's absolutely, you know, and I, I tell some of the viewer guys, hey, you know, all these cliche things, hey, it's, it's the greatest show on earth and, and all these things. But, you know, as you mature in your in your life and you get a little older and, and you want to start slowing down, that fun turns into stress and it, it just it's cumulative over time. Um, it is a great career. This mm. is a great city to work for. Um, it's a great police department. It was like that when I started here over 25 years ago. Mm. Um, I was hired in by Wayne Chandler, right. great chief. He had all the bones in place and um, was running, at that time, probably the best police department in the state, if not the nation. I mean, it, hmm. he, he set it up right. Um, so th- there was a lot of people before me that, sure. that had a lot of things in place that, that are, a lot of those are still in place today. Chief, what year did you start at APD? Uh, 1995. Okay, and you started, I'm assuming, as a, a normal low-end rookie police officer, right? That's that's right. Prior to that, I, I worked three years for Calhoun County Sheriff's Office, just you know, right across the road here, just a few blocks down the road. Got hired in there when I was probably 19, 20 years old hmm. by then Sheriff Sneed. Um, so he was kind of the first one that gave me an opportunity, and did, I worked in the jail there for three years. Did you enjoy being a policeman in the cruiser, you know, on the beat, if you will? I mean, did you enjoy it at that level? Absolutely. I, I absolutely loved it. I didn't know what I wanted to do growing up and, mm-hmm. you know, started going to college, went to Jacksonville State, and just kind of nothing really interests me. Like like I get on to my, my son's far now, you know, what, what are you interested in? What do you want to do? Well, I don't know. Well, I didn't know either. And <laughs> criminal justice classes just right. kind of interest me and, and started going down that path, and I just kind of backed into it or fell into it. When you started at APD and once you got your feet wet, did you kind of have a career goal to one day maybe become chief? In the back of my mind, maybe, as I look at it today. Back then, I don't think I thought about it. You know, I I was newly married. It was probably my first or second year of being married. And, mm-hmm. and, and I was just looking to be able to support my family and, you know, just getting started in life and wanted to do something that was fun and fulfilling and exciting and I found it when I came here. Sure. Chief, I want to talk a little bit about Aniston's the the, the police department's relationship with its with the people who live here. And you've been here as, as you've stated, you know, a long time and in my opinion it seems to be that that relationship right now is better than it has certainly been at other times in the past. Would you agree with that? Does it seem like that there's the tension between that you see in some communities between the police department 
and the community it serves, that that tension is not as high as what it would what it has been at certain times in the past. I, I would tend to agree with that. I, I have seen it kind of roller coaster over the year, kind of you know go up and down, and um, kind of like morale inside the department. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of a ever changing thing. You know, sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. Sometimes you wonder why it's one way or the other, and sometimes there's it, it, it's hard to know, but. Yeah, I, I would agree with that statement. Is can you attribute the positive trend in that regard to anything that your department has done, or is it just kind of like the weather? It comes and goes. Well, I would I, I would definitely say the weather theory is one. Yes, it does just come and go, but I, I do think that we have taken some positive steps within the department um, that have helped foster that. Um, and, and you could ask anybody in town and you may get a different opinion, but I do think we have tried to be progressive and, and proactive. And, you know, we, we one of the things I tell the new people when I hire them, male, female, whoever, a lot of them, um, they call them rookies when they come in, like you referred to earlier, right. is right. I'm very protective of the police department's reputation. And I tell every one of them, if you do anything, to tarnish the reputation of the police department, mm-hmm. not me, not that I will fire you. That is that sure. is an unforgivable sin. You you cannot do that. Whether that's in your personal life, on your Facebook page, whatever that may be, you're a police officer twenty four seven, and we are held to a higher standard because we have been entrusted with the public's trust. So things that other people can do and get away with that may not necessarily be illegal. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could debate whether it's moral or not. Right. You can't do certain things like that as a police officer because we have to keep the public trust in order to be effective. Sure, absolutely. The Citizens Advisory Committee that started several years ago, has that helped in terms of this relationship between the residents here and the, and the police department? I would definitely say that it has been a positive. Okay. It has been it hasn't been a negative in any, any way whatsoever. And, and I'll be totally honest with you. Mm-hmm. When at first, the chief prior to me was very resistant to it. It mm-hmm. came up then. I was resistant when it first started because as a chief or as a boss of any corporation, whatever, who wants somebody looking over their shoulder sure. and telling, sure. hey, you may want to do it. So I, I was resistant at first, but went into it reluctantly. And I was wrong. Um, hmm. it, it was. It has been a positive thing, and it has been a good thing. I'm assuming you have a, a decent or, or even good relationship with some of your colleagues in Jacksonville and Oxford and so forth. Can you kind of characterize what is different about being a police officer in Anniston versus Oxford, where there's the interstate, and um, Jacksonville's a college town, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. What would be different about being a police officer in Anniston versus some of the other cities that we have in the county? Or or, do you, or is it all the same, you think? It's the same in, in some aspects, and, and other aspects it is not. Um, I don't know a lot of the history of the surrounding areas as much as I do Anniston, mm-hmm. but I do know there, there are several issues that set us apart, and they're not positive issues. Right. One... Mm-hmm. We have a deep-seated history in civil rights mm-hmm. for the negative, right. um, and we constantly battle that, mm-hmm. um, constantly. 
Um, also, substance abuse issues, folks. Unfortunately, we in the past have been, if you're looking for something illegal, Aniston is the place to come and get it. That's not a good thing. Right. And those are some of the things that we have tried to change um, over the years. Is and I know some of our reporting in the past has, has really kind of zeroed in on crime rates as related to illegal drug use and drug sales and so forth. Is that still mm -hmm. the driving factor with crime rates in Aniston? I would say that's the driving factor in crime rates in the everywhere in the nation. Okay. That that is always a, a driving factor. Um, it, it just is where, where there are drugs, there are crime, and, and vice versa. Okay. Um, and, and a lot of crimes are committed because somebody is high on, on whatever their their drug of choice is, or they are seeking to get money for whatever their drug of choice is. Sure, sure. Another thing I wanted to ask you about, Chief, is something that the paper has tried um, has really tried to t help tamp down on, and that is. These the what we believe is the mischaracterization and the misuse of national statistics as it relates mm -hmm. to citywide crime rates, and right. it's so common. People, you know, we're, Aniston in my mind is one of the cities that Google hurts. If you Google right. Aniston, one of the stories that's going to come up in the first couple of pages is going to be something usually related to an elevated crime rate that is in the top 10 in the country or something of that nature. Um, mm -hmm. And from our understanding and our reporting, it seems to be that almost every time those stories are based on crime statistics that are either misused or in, or incorrect. Um, I'd like for you to kind of discuss that a little bit in terms of that's the reputation of the city of the police department. And it makes your job more difficult, certainly. I, at least I would assume it would. Absolutely. Um, and, and you're exactly right. Um, not only top in the nation or top three or whatever, depending on whatever year that we're in, you're also going to see Montana pollution, all right. these other negative environmental factors. All those are going to be on the first page or two. All those negative. The, the crime numbers, um, they are... They're a moving target, and they're difficult. And we have always tried to be open and honest here in Aniston. If we have a crime, we report a crime. We don't hide it. We don't cover it up. Um, that may not necessarily be true with every agency in the U.S. Um, as a matter of fact, it's not even a um, requirement that you report or that you report everything. Hmm. Um, we do, because if you don't have an accurate picture, you don't you know, know the things that you need to work on or the things that need to be improved on or... Or so forth, and the formula that they use, you know, because each jurisdiction gets to choose whether they patrol their jurisdiction and or their city limits or both or or whatever. And of course, we do our um, jurisdiction and our city limits, which makes our service population twice as much right. as what the formula that they mm -hmm. use to base our, our crime numbers on. So they take that twenty-one thousand. Um, population of the city limits and they divide it out by the number of crimes that we have but our crimes are reported on almost 45,000 people because we do service that police jurisdiction which is outside the city limits um, but that's not taken into account so it's not really a fair you know, representation and the FBI understands that you know they put that in their UCR reports every year that you know this should not be taken you know 
statistics alone. There are other factors you should factor into it. But when you get these clickbait websites mm-hmm. that just want to generate traffic, right. uh, they're just looking to sensationalize, and, and that's what happens. Sure. And we fall victim to that. Does that hamper your ability to recruit new officers? I mean, do rookie officers want to work in a city that is very active when it comes to crime like that, or is that a deterrent for you? Some do, some don't. Um, unfortunately, recruiting has been hampered the last several years, and it's hampered everywhere. Hmm. Um, it's a phenomenon that has just happened, and um, it is very difficult to recruit right now. Um, why? Why, started, why? Why is that? That's a good question, and and administrators all over the U.S. have been asking themselves the same questions. And younger people these days seem to get a later start. Hmm. Like I started work when I was sixteen years old, and by the time I was eighteen, I was basically supporting myself, paying my own insurance, things like that. Now you've got you know, college graduates, you can stay on mom and dad's insurance till you're 26 and, you know, all, all these things that are in place now. Kids are a little bit later to launch than what they used to be. Hmm. Um, hmm. Quite as mature, and, and this is my personal opinion, um, but these are some of the things that I've discussed with other police chiefs, and, you know, it's hard to find people that want to do this anymore. We have been painted with such a, a negative broad brush by some of the national media and, and for the groups that just like to incite mm-hmm. uh, police hate or um, that have their own agenda that's not necessarily pro-police, it takes a toll on it, and, and it just kind of erodes um, people's want to, to to want to come do this. When I started, they gave two tests, uh, one in the morning and one in the evening. There'd be 300 people show up. Mm. The last test we gave, we had two people show up to take the test. That's a stark contrast. And where does salary come into play with that? Is it a financial decision? I mean, a financial issue for some of these guys that may not want to do it? Or is it more of the the issues that you were just speaking of? I think it's a little bit of all. Um, I don't think salary is completely it. Of course, you know going in that you're not going to get rich doing this. It's kind of like it's kind of like being a newspaper reporter. <laughs> exactly. You're not going to get rich. We, yeah. That's right. But we start out it, it's decent. I mean, it could be better. You know, we start out about $17 an hour. That's pretty good money, especially if you're a 20-year-old guy that has no experience in anything, which is what we generally wind up hiring. Uh, I tell people all the time, we pay them more than they're worth on the front end. But two or three or three or four years in, when they get some experience and some um, education, we can't pay them enough to keep them here, and, and that's one of our problems. You can almost guarantee you're going to make between thirty-six and forty thousand dollars your first year here, because of overtime and other things. That's not bad for this area starting out. Chief, I'd like to take you back to um, 2011. I think that was the year when Officer uh, Solohub was killed in the line of duty. What do you remember about that day? I mean, I remember the day and the days after that from the newspaper standpoint, but can you kind of walk me through what it was like for you and your department to, to go through something as horrible as that? Sure. And as you're talking about it, I had chills just kind of run up my back because it's, it's a vivid memory that I have. And actually me and one of the crime lab, my crime lab investigators that 
worked the case, we were getting in our car and about to head to lunch. So it was about 10.45 um, that day, and when the call came out that hey, we got an officer shot, officer down, we were here at the station getting in our car, and it was only about five or six blocks from here, so we were literally there in less than two minutes, minute and a half, maybe. And when we got there, um, me and um, Investigator Osborne, that's who it was, Mark Osborne, we were one of the first um, cars pulling up there, hmm. um, and it was literally unfolding in front of our eyes. The first thing we saw was Officer Solohub laying on the ground, and he was obviously not in a good condition. You know, we were trying to render aid to him, and it, it looked pretty bleak, just a, uh, an initial assessment when we came up. Um, it was pretty bad. We, we were pretty certain that he was not going to make it. Then other officers began to come up, and there was a large crowd of people there. There was actually a crowd that witnessed what happened, and uh, they were kind of telling us, you know, which way the guy ran, and, and um, which is kind of what helped us, you know, sure. get the guy sure. surrounded. And Chief, I'm curious, how did you? Go ahead. I was going to say, how did you deal with your your officers? in the days after that, because you still had a job to, you guys had a job to do. That's right. How did, how did you guys continue to, to do your duty and at the same time deal with losing, you know, someone who you're pretty close with, I assume. Yeah, it was, it, it was very difficult. Some of the hardest, it was actually some of the hardest couple of months, um, that I can ever remember. Um, and I will tell you, we had a lot of support from um, other police agencies and we had an outpouring of community support mm -hmm. like I have never seen before. We had more food here and more, uh, we can hardly get in the door without tripping over things. And it was a good thing. You know, people were leaving flowers and bears and cards and, um, there, there was more food than we could eat, and you know, it, it was a blessing. It, it was um, southern people, you know, especially in like church people. Mm -hmm. They will take care of you, and they will casserole you to death. <laughs> it, it's a good thing sometimes, and, and at that particular time, it, it was a good thing. Sure. And those, you know, the ABC board came in and they worked um, shifts for us. Hmm. Hoover PD sent. Because we, they had recruited so many people from Hoover and um, Pelham. They sent crews of people over here to work our streets that used to work for us. Oh, wow. So they knew the streets. They knew the call signs. They knew the yeah. zones. They knew our policies and procedures. They came over here and worked for us for several days and just volunteered their time, didn't ask for anything. Wow. So that we could go through the morning process and, and you know, the, the funeral and, mm -hmm. and that whole thing. Chief, I don't have to tell you this, but you know how Aniston politics are often, they're very combative and um, tiresome, if you will. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. Yeah. You know, and some of us, and I'm one of them, some of us have difficulty staying out of the fray um, when stuff gets kind of crazy around here. But you, from my standpoint, it seems like you're, you've are you been able to stay out of the headlines when it comes to the, the, the weirdness of the politics of this city, particularly when police discussions are involved. How have you right. done that? I've always been kind of um, astonished by how you've been able to keep your cool in that regard, at least publicly from, you know, from a newspaper standpoint. Right. Um, 
I have always been, one, one of my philosophies and, and what I've always tried to teach my sons and, and what I try to pass along to the officers that are here, let your actions speak for you, not your words. Because people watch what you do and they don't really pay quite as much to what you say. But they know your character and they know your actions. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of good people in this town. You know, you hear from the negative, mm-hmm. which is a very small minority in my opinion. But those good people are silent a lot of the times. Hmm. And if you're doing what's right and they will know it, they'll stand up for you. Hmm. Um, even if you, even if you step over the line and maybe do or say something that you should have done, if it's a, a mistake of the head and not a mistake of the heart, Mm-hmm. Those people will come to your aid, and and they will they'll back you. And, and I've been fortunate enough to have have that over the years. But I will say this though, Chief: Is it not difficult to hold your tongue when you hear elected officials talk about corruption and mismanagement of police matters? And when you are, I'm speaking for you, and I don't mean to, but I'm assuming you're certainly convinced that that's not true. How do you not? Right. How, how do you keep your tongue in that regard? Because that happens a lot around here, unfortunately. It does. It absolutely does. It, it is uncalled for. It doesn't have to be that way. I often say it doesn't have to be this hard. Yeah. Um, it is very difficult um, to not speak sometimes. Sure. Sure. Um, very very difficult. Um, but I go back to that. Most of the people that say things like that mm-hmm. don't have a lot of credibility, so the words really don't carry much weight. Mm-hmm. And most people don't really listen to them or pay attention. And the very few that do, and it's a very few, you're never going to win those people anyway because their minds are made up. Sure. Um, it's like one of my shift officers down here has got a little saying on the wall, and that's true. It's like, you know, don't, don't, um, have an argument with a with a fool because they or a pig and they'll drag you down in the mud and they'll, hmm. they'll beat you with experience. Right. Um, so I, I just try to stay out of the mud. Wow. You know, do, do the best that I can, uh, be a positive example, and do what's right, and That's... let all that other stuff just kind of take care of itself. Because most people realize that not only is it not true, it's just grandstanding and it's just um, nonsense. That's great advice. I probably should take that a little more myself from from time to time. Let's get back to your retirement. Last kind of the last question I guess I have for you. What are you going to do with your time? You're not um, when when I consider when I think of Chief Denham, I don't think of you as retirement age. So what are you going to do with your time? Well, I, I <laughs> a lot of people have asked me that question, and yeah. I, I've been I've been answering it like this. Um, I'm going to keep my house clean. I'm going to grocery shop and, and keep my wife happy and um, be the head cook and dishwasher. Wow. Now, I, I say that a lot of times jokingly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really have any immediate plans. And I, honestly, I didn't plan on working any the rest of this year. I hmm. um, just wanted to kind of live the simple life, get my head straight, um, do some exercise, and I know that 
know, you've run and we've ran five Ks together and things yeah. like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna exercise. I'm gonna ride my bike. I'm gonna hike and kayak and and do a lot of things like that. And and prior to all this COVID stuff, you know, we had some trips planned, but a lot of those things got changed. Sure. So uh, I'm pretty much gonna be local here, but I, I will tell you, I've had several offers, hmm. people trying to give me a job, and I haven't been looking. Um, but I do have one offer that I, I'm strongly considering. Um, it's I haven't made a decision yet, but is it in I'm law enforcement? It, but it, nothing that I really want to talk about. No, I understand. Well, can you say if it's in law enforcement or is it a totally different field? I'm I'm not looking for a law law enforcement job per se, okay. um, but it's it's kind of consulting yeah. in law enforcement. I got you. Okay. Well, Chief, hey, I appreciate your time. I congratulate you again on your upcoming retirement. I'm jealous. And um, I wish newspapers had civil service 25-year requirements, (laughs) but they don't. So the rest of us will keep going. And, um, I do again, I appreciate your time, and uh, good luck in the future. Thanks, Philip. I appreciate it. Okay, you have a great day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Star Talk which is available wherever you normally get your podcasts, such as iTunes, Google Play, and other locations. I certainly want to thank Chief Shane Denham of the Anniston Police Department for giving us a bit of his time. And I'd like to remind you to go back and check out some of our other Star Talk podcasts with local newsmakers. We've recorded quite a few this spring. We thank our subscribers, and if you'd like to subscribe to the Anniston Star, it's easy. Just go online to www.anistonstar.com slash subscribe. The Star can also be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Aniston Star. And our Star Talk podcast is on Facebook and Twitter at Star Talk Podcast. This is Philip Tudor of the Aniston Star. Thanks for listening.